Hello and welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 29. I'm here with Luke and Jonathan. Hello. Hello. You guys doing well? As well as deadline allows. Yes. Deadline? Uh Uh-oh. Hard times here in the Hammer office. Yes, it's that week again. But on the good side, we have our amazing new issue out now with Disturbed on the cover. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. You can be more enthusiastic than that. He is actually a really interesting guy, and I'm not a big fan of the band, but... um, Oh, that's interesting. So you're not a huge fan, but you actually, you know, you, you found it interesting what he had to say for himself. Yeah, I think this, I mean... I had this with um, sometimes with Fred Durst, like I always thought he was a bit of an idiot. And then you read one interview with him, actually one I did with him a while back. <laughs> and it's Your actually, own interview. Yeah, yeah. And he was actually slightly different from how I thought he was going to be. Mm. And it was kind of much more of an interesting character than I'd put him down to be. And um, so I think in, in this interview we've got the magazine, as someone who's not a fan of the band, um, there's a different side of him comes across. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so well done, Elle. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I went out to the States, to LA, to speak to uh, Mr. David Drayman himself. And I actually did grow up with the band and I am a fan of them. So I thought it was quite interesting to kind of talk to him about what they're up to now. Because, you know, when I was listening to them, it's the early 2000s and now it's 2018. So it's been a long time since they came out with Down With A Sickness. And uh, they've evolved somewhat. They have indeed. Yeah, they're sort of... A, a much bigger, slicker band now. They're not even that, like that new metally anymore. Like the only time I saw them recently was with you with that event yeah, sevenfold yeah. show. I was like watching a completely different band, really. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this this is what I do respect about them is that you know they ha- like some bands from that era have kind of stuck to the same kind of adolescent themes, mm. and you know the band have kind of grown up as they've grown up. It's not. It's not the sound of someone still sort of stuck in adolescence who's no. like actually in their forties or something. It's um, it's the sound of a band being actually who they are. Now, not everyone in there, not all of their peers have done that, so I do respect them a lot for that. Mm. Well, go pick up the issue. Read all about David Draymond and Disturbed in the new magazine. We've also got Corn talking all about Follow the Leader, a fifteen-page all-star special on Pantera. And we've got so many names in that. Rob Halford, Scott Ian, King Diamond, Dave Mustaine. We've got While She Sleeps, Jerry Jordison, Hailstorm, Svalbard, Epica, The Fever 333, Luke's favourites. My faves. Is it 333? I think it's either three. It's, n- it's not 333. That'd be far too <laughs> difficult to say. Too long. You can't chant 333 at a, at a gig. <laughs> they were great though, download. Oh, they're, Sorry, they're playing this week as well. So. They're playing tonight. Uh, and also the metal queen herself, Doro. Doro, yes. Yeah. I went on BBC Radio 4 on Woman's Hour to talk with Doro, which Whoa. you can catch up on on their website. And yeah, she was fantastic. Just a true metal legend, keeping things heavy and so positive. Like the amount of PMA mm. radiating from her. If I could <laughs> bottle that and sell it, I would be a millionaire. But yeah, go get the new issue. Free CD on there as well. Loads of new tracks from loads of cool bands and just stuff. There's just cool stuff in there. Just stuff? Just buy Not it. Lots of metal stuff. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you want it in your life? Exactly. Well, Luke, you've been up to a lot of stuff this week as well. <laughs> I have, yes. <laughs> Where have you been? Well, as soon as I recovered from Bloodstock, I packed up my bag again and uh, went to Art Tangent Festival. Which is uh, my first time there. You should probably just talk a little bit about what it is. Yeah, it's 
And for a much smaller festival than Bloodstock, it's about 5,000 people, I think, in the middle of nowhere in like rural Bristol on a farm. And yeah, it's a sort of a festival that celebrates, I guess, sort of progressive metal, tech metal, post metal, all that sort of side of you know weird and wonderful instrumentally led uh, music. But also there's a bit of hardcore thrown in as well, which was nice. And yeah, it's put on by the same people that do 2003. So there's and so there's quite a sort of nice little community feel to it, really. So you know, it's an independent festival, and it's all it's just a really good time, really. I quite enjoyed it as the way it was laid out. Everything was sort of on one strip of land. You have two stages at one end, then you walk down past all the, all the food and, and stores and whatever else. The, and the Greenpeace stand, which is oh, quite nice, yeah. There you go. Uh, and, and you get to the other end and there's two other stages and they just sort of alternate so you know, there's no sound clashes and it works out quite well. Um, but there's no phone signal there, so I spent a lot of time by myself not being able to find <laughs> anyone. But it was fine, there was music. Um, I saw a ton of bands, but I won't go through all of them because that'll be boring for everyone. But I'll go through some highlights. Uh, on the first day, I saw Svalbard, who are in the new issue of Metal Hammer Yes, they are. You wrote that piece very good. I did. you all about Svalbard uh, and who they are. Uh, they are a brilliant band from Bristol, actually. So I guess it was sort of a hometown show for them. Um, playing, I think it was almost exclusively material from the new album. Uh, and... Yeah, it had packed out the tent, and it was just like sort of really intense, black and hardcore. But as you'll, you know, if you read the feature, it's all very much with a message. It's very much social commentary in everything they do. Uh, a lot of uh, messages about feminism and forced dog breeding, and just how shit life can be for everyone involved. Uh, but they were amazing, and like Serena, the vocalist, is just an absolute beast like she's terrifying when she gets going it's amazing uh, and yeah everyone there was having a lovely little mosh good nice. uh, and then after that well, on the same stage Pine and Conjurer uh, came together to perform a piece of music I guess or a set it was specially commissioned for Arc Tangent they've never played it before I don't know if they're ever going to play it again I was, I was talking to Brady from Conjurer beforehand apparently they'd only actually rehearsed with everyone there once so it, they did quite well out of it. It was called Curse These Metal Hands, uh, which is a obscure peep show reference for those <laughs> who don't know. Uh, and they start, yeah, started off with a lot of quotes from peep show, mainly Superhands and Jeremy talking about what they're going to call their band. And then, yeah, it just went into this sort of, not what you'd expect from Conjuro and Pine playing together, really. It's a lot more like Baroness. And it was really riffy, but quite spacious and really nice, really. Quite sort of, not sparkling, but overwhelmingly heavy, but not crushingly brutal. If you know what, if you, if that makes sense. Well, pine—they're the one that's kind of spelled pigeon, isn't it? Yeah, P I J N. Yeah, P-I-J-N, but yeah. it said pine. Yeah, I think it's pine. Those guys. Well, so I, to be fair, I don't know much about pine other than they I've never listened to the album once or twice, but it's just sort of—they don't think they have a vocalist. It's just like post metally mm-hmm. stuff uh, on, on Holy Raw, obviously. Uh, and yeah, they just—they're really good at what they do, but they're not—they're not as not that well known, to be fair. So I think getting getting this, you know, being able to play the Conjurer and getting a massive crowd was actually really good for them. And yeah, I hope they release this set. Someone told me they did record it, so I think they're going to do something cool. with it. Um, who else played? Rollo Tomasi, who were obviously brilliant because they are. Um, yeah, again, a set entirely of new material, uh, and Eva Spence just captivating to watch as always like a sort of 
demented ballerina just throwing herself around the stage. I just love watching that band. We've probably said it loads, but Time Will Die and Love Will Bury, it's really good. Yeah, it's probably my album of the year so Great. far. I'm wearing their t-shirt right now, as a matter of fact, which I bought at the festival. It's so on brand. Um, and yeah, I see. the next day, Conjurer did a, a, a set by themselves in the smallest tent, which I thought was odd, but it was so packed. There were people just crowding around outside trying to get in. A guy managed to crowd surf from the front to the back and then back to the front again, which I've never, I've never, <laughs> seen, I've never seen happen before, which is nice. And yeah, again, that was just so heavy. And having seen them the week before at Bloodstock, it, was, it wasn't the exact same set list, but again, it was just like, yeah, how are you guys not massive yet? Even though the album only came out earlier this year, it's ridiculous the crowds they're pulling at festivals already. Who else have you got then? But Zelenada was like the pop, maybe the be- the band of the weekend. Yeah. Like, I've not seen them on this album yet until then. I think you may have done. Me and Jonathan went to see them at yeah. the Village Underground, wasn't it, in yeah. East London. Yeah, a strange mix of hipsters and metalheads. It really was, but just um, really good performance. He's really gelled with the musicians as well as his backing band. Yeah, I saw, I saw him uh, play it on this year as well. It's a short set at Bailam in Norway. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, with, the, with having the flanked by those two guys and cows, yeah. it, um, it really, really works. And uh, yeah, they've both got these kind of like slightly bluesy, honking voices that work mm. really, really well. And it's, yeah, there's something like very actually in these kind of sort of what it's trying to do. Yeah. And um, so it's it's not just the kind of concept, there's something very earthy about it as well. Yeah, so I, so I, I absolutely loved it. So I, I saw them once before, uh, which was with you, Jonathan, I think, when they did Roadburn last year or the year before. That was only their fifth show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I couldn't make it in there. Um, the queues were around. Yeah, I got there very early for that. But yeah, this was, it was so, it was amazing. Probably the heaviest band up there because they're technically a black metal band, I guess, with other bits. And yeah, like, like you both mentioned, with the, the relationship between the artists on stage now, between all of them, it's amazing. And it just, what, what I was watching it with, um, Stephen Hill, who writes the Metal Hammer, and both of them basically slack jaw, just like fucking hell. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I went to see Glassjaw, and I think I'm in the minority. I didn't think it was great. I'm probably not the right person to talk to about Glassjaw because when I was growing up, there was so much hype around them, mm. and I just didn't really connect with them at all. I preferred um, Daryl's side project. What, head automatically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a lot different, which is... Yeah, very different. You know, beating heart baby and very dancing. That, that is a true. The thing is, like, people who like Glassdraw absolutely fucking love yeah. it. Yeah, it's not the same like, duration like, as Converge. It's kind yeah, of like, there's a kind of devotion to them. Um, they've got this kind of, almost like this kind of magical aura mm. around them for certain people. I remember I was, I did a piece with them uh, back in the day. And I was walking around town with uh, Daryl Palumbo, and this guy came up and chatted to him. And just at the end, just burst into tears. Wow. Like this grown man just kind of burst into tears, so he got chatted to Daryl Palumbo. That's crazy. Mm. I, think, I, I think they're rubbish too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, I don't, th- I don't, I don't think they're rubbish. Like, no, on, it's, but, but on record, I think they're great, but I've never seen them be good live. And I was sort of expecting it to be even better, because all day you just see people walking around in their merch. And I was like, okay, they're on the main stage, they're closing the festival, this is going to kick off. And they came out and it was all right, and the cra- and the, but the crowd just seemed quite sort of chin strokey and like arms folded, going, "Yep, this is good. I accept this for being good." Yeah. And it's just like, oh, "Okay, this isn't as no, Larry as I mean, what." To be fair, the last one I saw was fifteen years ago, and I seem to remember liking it at the time. But then I go back to the records; it just sounds like 
I know some bad attempt at kind of doing sort of soul music or something. Mm, I know what you There's mean. There's a lot of oohs and ahs and things without any of the actual proper sensuality you'd expect from. Yeah, it left me quite cold. I have to say, like, like I said, I just didn't really connect with it. I just felt quite cold when I was listening to it. I've just never really been able to find something in it that really gets me pumped up. Yeah, they're not yeah. as good as Let Live. Yeah, so. it's, no. just, it's just you can see a discrepancy between what, they're, tr- what tr- they're trying to aim for and what they're actually doing. Yeah. I feel um, less of a freak now, Jonathan, that you've said that. <laughs> I mean, I am a freak, but I can be a freak for different reasons now. Don't have to carry this burden <laughs> Fla- around with me. It's not a burden. Fly that freak crap. <laughs> <laughs> I will, Jonathan. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. Right, I'll rattle through what I did on Sunday because it's all a bit of a blur. I saw Mole or Merle, um, the shoegazy metal band who are, again, ridiculous. I mean... Kim, the vocalist, is like amazing to watch. He was like, took his mic stand into the middle of the crowd and screamed in everyone's face. He bent down and screamed in one poor boy's face, like jabbing his finger into this child's face, screaming child's at him. I think he was a teenager, but still just like you. Um, and it was Doesn't like, sound very shoegazy. No, not really, but he's, he's just sort of like, pulling every grimace and snarl his face could literally muster and every hand motion he could think of. is. You couldn't take your eyes off him, and it was amazing. Mirka, I thought it was one of the best bands I saw. Mirka. Mirka. <laughs> Compare the Mirka. I saw, again, first time I've seen her do a proper show on this record, because I saw her, again with you, Jonathan, in a church earlier this year, and I've saw... Let's not take that quote out of context. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Uh, and then I saw, and then I saw her do like an in-store thing at Rough Trade, which is like an acoustic thing. So this is the first time I saw her do the new album with a full band. And I think she probably tailored the set for Arc Tangent. It wasn't as black metal as I thought it might be. There's a lot more of the t- like choral songs. Where it wasn't as, but, but it was amazing. Like she's so good now. I think she's more into that choral stuff now. She's getting more and more folky and she's been doing those acoustic sets. It doesn't really surprise me that mm. she would go down that road. It sort of climaxed with a big heavy like barrage at the end, but it started off with her in this like robe and then she took off to reveal this like flowing white dress she was wearing and just yeah just went for it and it was just you, again you just couldn't take your eyes off her but that's good to know so i did see her do a proper band set earlier on this year when she supported solstice mm. and it wasn't quite gelling yet i don't think right. like um her kind of more choral vocals and then the band's more metal sounds were really properly gelling um as i became one unit they just seemed to be kind of grafted onto each other a little bit. So they just didn't build up this kind of momentum where things become more than some of their parts. Um, And I love the choral, and I'd say actually I'll pay my birthday in fact, in the church in Hackney. And and it was stunning and her voice is amazing. Um, The only thing I, and I, you know, I love the record and I'm really, you know, I love what she's doing. But the only thing I have with the choral stuff is that for folk music, even folk music's a little bit more kind of red in tooth and claw. It, it sounds very chaste, mm. and um, and I, you know, folk music is is a bit more generally bloody than that. <laughs> you know, it's um, I think it's all one element. It's all kind of air, and I'd, I'd like a bit of earth in there as well. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a good take on it. Um, but but. On its, but on its own right, you know, it's still stunning. Yeah. I saw a picture of her on social media in some kind of office 
there with pictures of sheep behind us. <laughs> very much a working farm, I guess, when it's not Arctangent. Yeah, oh, I didn't see that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the final band I saw of the day was Alcest, who I absolutely adore. I think they're one of the best bands who do that shoegazy metal thing. I know you and I, Jonathan, probably don't agree on the later on the I was actually stuff. really disappointed to find I quite like the last album. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I actually did. I'm not anti the whole genre itself, it's just when it becomes a bit um, insipid. Mm. Um, and I actually, actually, the one artist that I really like has a new album coming out, who does that thing, is Sylvain. Oh, I've heard that once. And, yeah. um, and it just has this warmth to it, warmth to it, that doesn't feel like it's um, a compromised version of something else. Um, and you just really go in the flow of it. See. And um, yeah, I just thought that like, the previous album, uh, also album, one that had mm. pretty much no black mill in it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, I remember the days of Slow Dive. I used to go and see Slow Dive back in the day, you know, you know the, the originators of this kind of music. And they were darker. Mm. and more sort of wistful and more kind of yeah just a sense of like seasons turning um, than the supposedly black metal musician was yeah um, so I just thought it, it sounded you know that particular sounded really complacent and wishy-washy and no kind of real purpose or not locked into any kind of sense of nature or something that all the things you expect both shoegaze and black metal to be you know shoegaze is very sort of autumnal and yeah. the passing of time and wistfulness and it just lacked any of those emotive qualities just for kind of like look at me I'm I'm floating around kind of, <laughs> kind of thing so it was very odd in that respect then in that the tent was basically not too bad not as busy as I felt it should be but it was a very warming calming atmosphere even though the music was quite heavy and frantic and everything shoegaze and everything else it was like everyone had their eyes closed with their arms up but there was like couples just hugging each other just to the, to the music and it was yeah like, it's very coupley I've seen I've yeah. been gigs. they've actually made me angry also gigs in the past <laughs> because you were there by yourself and everyone else having a lovely time angry um, but that no, I loved it absolutely loved it it was yeah and I'll definitely be going back to Arctangent I think uh, they're announcing their headliners soon um, and it's going to be fucking brilliant I think this festival is going to get even better if, if they there was some stuff there that I didn't really care for there was a lot of like post metal and smell stuff that sort of often goes over my head or all sounds a bit the same but to be honest the heavy bands and the hardcore bands that I am into they booked were all amazing I, I had such a good time it sounds like it's one of those festivals that's kind of grown organically it's been, it's been going a few years now you know some festivals get too big too quickly yeah. they end up paying lots of people money and, and crashing and this festival seems to be one that seems to be kind of growing at the right rate. Yeah, and more power to them. Yeah, yeah. What else is happening in the world? Well, sadly, we have the very sad news that Jill Janus took her own life um, at the age of 43. So just very, very sad news, really. She's obviously the lead singer of Huntress, um, a band that we covered a lot in Hammer. We were very close with that band. Um, They've been to the awards before. Yeah, they, um, they played a Halloween gig as well. Yeah, so just really, really sad news that, um, you know, there's, there's not a huge amount you can say, really. It's just a huge loss to the community and very sad to hear it. And I think I'd always encourage people, if they are going through something, to pick up the phone or get an email to someone like the Samaritans to just talk through what they're feeling because there is always someone out there and suicide is never the answer and it's just, it's very sad. Yeah. 
You met Jill Jonas, though, didn't you, Eleanor, years ago? We spoke on the phone. Oh. Um, we I interviewed her probably about six years ago when the band were kind of just coming to prominence, really, their first records. And she was doing a lot of press with people and obviously talking about her witchcraft and how that fell into the music. And when they came on the scene, it was kind of a big thing of like, you know, who are this band? What's going on? Because they had this occult element to it. And she was very... Um, she was very obviously the band leader, you know, it was very much her band. And then obviously she'd been a DJ before in New York as well, so it's quite unusual that somebody had come from the dance world and crossed over into metal. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of buzz around them, and, you know, they had a hardcore group of fans who really kind of followed them through uh, their career and were really into what they were doing, I think. Yeah, and she was like, you know, seemed to be a very powerful presence, mm. like, on the scene, um, both within, like... You know how the music sort of invokes certain energies, and um, and you know her role in the band, and the um, and the evolution that she kind of went through with the band as well over the short period of time that they were around. So um, yes, yeah, so these things are just they always seem to be going on in the background, and you never know. Like even even bands that are all about sort of something kind of the positive or something like you know raising your power, you ne- you never know. So it's always just good to talk. And, um, yeah, I agree. You never know what's happening with somebody, and so check in with your friends, check in with people you know. Please reach out. You know, it's there are, like I said, there are people out mm. there who can help. And yeah, and do it before these feelings become they overwhelm you. Absolutely. You know, because I mean, there's always it's very easy to get overwhelmed by things, and um, sometimes just got to focus on you know the little things a little bit and not let that happen. Absolutely. What else is going on in the world, Luke? Well, elsewhere in the world of metal, we have got Deftones. I have said they are confirmed, they are working together on new material. Are we excited about new Deftones material? I haven't really got the words. Oh. Because I'm no. too excited. You're too excited? Okay, I thought, I thought you were just so met about the whole thing that you no, just couldn't Luke. find the words. Do you not know me at all? No, that's very true. So where did you stand on Gore? Because that split people. I liked it, but it took a while. I think um, initially I listened to it and I was kind of like, it just sounds deftonesy and I don't love it. And I was disappointed by it, I'll be honest. Mm. And then as I listened to it more and more, it worked its way under my skin and then I really enjoyed it. It's not my favourite deftones record in the no. world, but it really did grow on me and it revealed itself through layers and layers of time and I think sometimes that happens with records it's not always instant mm. some of the records have been instant for me like the self-titled one I know again it's not most people's favourites it's always White Pony isn't it but yeah. the self-titled one I, that was an instant hit for me as well I was just fell in love with that record yeah so I'm the same I say White Pony is my favourite but I did quite like the direction they were going in with Gore it's, but it's a lot more sparse I feel like the music it would, I remember listening to it the first time and not liking it at all mm. Uh, and it took a while to get to really get into it and I think I prefer it as an album but there's no real standout song on there that I could go to and go yep that's the one that's this big song on Gore that I like Mm -hmm. but when they did the new stuff live I think were you there at the Alexandra Palace show with AFI yeah that was an incredible show yeah they were amazing that that day because I'm not a huge fan of Ali Pali I'll be the first to say it like things don't always sound good there it's hard to find a good place to stand in a sense because you kind of want to go 
it's good in the sense that most places you go you can see mm. but you're never quite sure how it's going to sound where you are and what the crowd's going to be like it's just kind of a big flat room but they really sounded fantastic you know they kind of went against all my experiences there and sounded brilliant and I was really blown away yeah let's hope they keep that intensity in the studio because I want a heavier record from Deftones if I'm honest but who knows what time will bring they can't write it just for you Luke, I know they? they can't unfortunately but never mind but who else is releasing new music out of that? Bring Me The Horizon. It's We've been happened. talking about this in the office all morning, haven't we? We have. There's opinions are, you know, div- not necessarily divided, varied across the, across the room. It's Mantra. Yes, it's called all Mantra. All capitals. Is it all capitals? Okay, right. From the album, which I think is pronounced Amo, A-M-O, Amo? Do you think it's Amo. like Amor? Because it's meant to be about love, isn't it? Do you think it's like Amor? Maybe. They, I think they insist on it being lowercase as well. So um, mantras all capitals. I think that, that album's all What are they doing with their typesetting? What's your grammar about? But yeah, the album's coming out January eleventh, twenty nineteen. What were we saying about the song, Eleanor? Well, I think it sounds like a B side from That's the Spirit, but it's not a criticism. I just feel like it sounds like it could have been put on there as like you know a deluxe edition or something that had mm. come out, and they put that as an extra song. To me, it sounds very much in the same vein of. That's the spirit. It's got, you know, it kind of, it's quite driven. It's got a very poppy chorus. It's got yep. almost like an R&B little bit in it. The lyrics are very Ollie Sykes, kind of talking about his own experiences and having a bit of a breakdown and coming out of it. And it sounds like it should be played on radio one in the middle of the day. Yes, I'm sure it will be. I think, you know, it's not a heavy song by any stretch of imagination. I think it does scream at one point. Um, but there's a, there's a cool little riff to it. I quite enjoy that. And it, but it does sound a bit Linkin Parky. It sounds a bit Radio Rocky. But yeah, I think I think I like it. It's I've only listened to it twice, and it takes about a minute, minute and a half to actually understand. Okay, this this is the song you're singing. It takes a, when I first pressed play, I was like, oh, what is this? But then when it gets going, I think after the first computer voice work. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about when it gets mantra. Mantra. And, and, then, and then it drops and you're like, okay, fine. That, that's the song. But yeah, I quite, quite like it. But I think Ollie has said, the official quote going around is, um, that the album, it deal, the album deals with the good, the bad and the ugly of uh, love. Uh, and as a result, we've created an album that's more experimental, more varied, weird and wonderful than anything we've done before. So this could be an anomaly. This could just be the single and everything else is experimental jazz well we were talking before about how we thought they might experiment on this record and so I was quite surprised that this does sound like such a continuation but maybe it is that thing where the first single is kind of hey look we're back and then the second one is Mm. you are not expecting this (laughs) well that's the thing I think everyone sort of expects them to go mainstream and you know Radio 1 territory but at the same time just so they can be bigger and you know headline festivals everyone's expecting them to but at the same time they're on such a trajectory and playing venues already they don't really have much to lose by experimenting I don't think if they decide to do a heavy heavy song here and there or something even weirder and progressive I don't think it's going to damage them at all no I don't think it will I think maybe that they could do that like you said sort of further in but we'll see yeah. A lot of bands that come from like a heavier background, they do tend to use um, experimental as a euphemism for directly commercial. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so experiment with making money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or by throwing something into the pot that was never, you know, intended to be there in the first, originally there in the first place. Mm. So, um, like, they experiment by 
throwing him sort of R- modern style R and B, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I think it's good, but I'm, I'm interested to see if this is the entire direction of the album. If if there's, if he's already saying that it's an experimental and weird and wonderful thing, but we I shall see. If every song is the same as the single, I'll be a bit disappointed because yeah. I feel like they could definitely go more out there or go a bit harder and a bit stronger. And I like this song and I find myself singing it and like this is solid, but. I'm not like super, 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 super excited, and I want to be super excited because I really like that band. Stick a saxophone in it. It's what everyone's oh, I doing. I like that bit, Luke. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh no, on the last yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one about the come down. Oh uh, fucking yeah. Right. Yeah, but the thing that. is, like, whenever a band releases a song, it's nearly always sounds. T- I've said this before, but always sounds completely different in the context of the album. Yeah, 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 completely. Let's think the new Behemoth song. I think I really like it, but now we've heard the album, which mm. we can probably say it doesn't. It's it works better, I think, in the in the confines of the actual record. I agree with you. I like it more. On the expanse of the record, as a case. Well, oh yeah, actually, yes, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> minting my words. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on Hammer because we'll be doing more on them in future weeks. We got some reader questions. We do, Jonathan. Yes. Oh, uh, so Matt Bacon asks, um, "What is the most underrated album this year?" Hmm. But it's a hard one because there's probably loads. We were only eight, yeah, what eight months in. But I guess I, I picked a few, but only ones that I think. Well, basically, that's what underrated to me. The albums I like that no one's talking about as much as I feel they should be. Yeah. Um, and I thought I think the new Watain album. I think because it came out in January and everyone mm. was going yes, Watain about. Everyone seems to have forgotten about it. No one seems to be talking about the Watson album anymore. Have you just been reminded of it though because you literally saw them a week ago? Well, so I, did, I, I, did, I didn't thing. see I didn't see them, but I've uh, but after hearing how great it was, I, uh, I it was in my mind saying, "Oh yeah, fuck the Watson record." Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is great. I've also put down the Boss Colloid album, which oh, I think was amazing. Really this year. That was probably January as well. Was yeah, I think that was early this year as well, which is amazing. That proper you know stoner metal desert metal, whatever you want to call it. And then in terms of heavy stuff, the Harm's Way album, in terms of hardcore, I think probably been overshadowed by the massive boner everyone had for Vane, which is justified because that album's silence. A massive but, boner? Yeah. Is that what you had? Because you listen to them a lot in the office, so I'm yeah. a bit concerned now. Yeah, uh, but that, that Harm's Way record's wicked, and Lick, um, that, uh, the death metal band, no one's talking about them, but that record is equally brilliant. I've not heard Lick. So. L-I-K. Oh, right, yeah, now I've seen that written down. Yeah. I'm not cool enough to have heard it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Don Lawson played it at me full blast, so I had to listen to it. And, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. What have you got written down there, Eleanor? I've got written down two things. The first was Sinsanum, Repulsion for Humanity. I can't quite get a read on what people think about Sinsanum. Um, I wasn't massively blown away when they came out, but this record, Repulsion for Humanity, I actually like it. It's just just a good record it just kind of rumbles along and it's quite like catchy but it's also extreme and I kind of put it on not really expecting too much if I'm honest because I love Jerry and Slipknot but I'm not like I said I'm not being blown away by Sensei but Mm. I do think it's really good so yeah it's just one of those records you put on you go this is a good solid (laughs) listen I'm enjoying it the other band I was thinking of is Louise Lemon solo artist Uh, we had her in the front section of the mag in the new noise bit and I'm not sure how widely she's been listened to. She's going to play the Black Heart next month. And it's just a really good record, Purge. We called it Death Gospel. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's kind of, she's got a great voice and it's quite catchy and it's quite heavy. And it's just a really good record. I really enjoyed it. And it's something that I keep returning to, which is how you know it's good. 
Who would you compare it to? Because Death Gospel doesn't just appear on my radar that often. Well, it's, it's people like Anna von Housewolf yeah. and um, Chelsea Wolfe. Chelsea Wolf and um, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, I guess you could probably say. Yeah, it's, um, I would say so. Yeah, sort of, yeah, kind of dark female singer songwriters, really. Yeah. Interesting. Um, with, um, yeah, with a kind of. It's that kind of, kind of s- elemental feeling and a yeah. bit kind of like of the earth and a bit ethereal but a bit more grounded than that at the same time mm. I would agree with all the, the references you made there I yeah I mean, I mean I think the death gospel term is because I think it's because the death gospel term preceded her mm. um, so yeah but, but she's she's definitely in that vein well the producer actually she worked with producers Anna von Housewolf so yeah that would make sense yeah but she's cool check her yeah. out yeah. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, it's difficult because most of the stuff I listen to is probably underrated. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> no, Jonathan does our no, radio but, section, which is yeah. the most extreme sound. Yeah, so um, it's hard, hard to say, but um, I think one of the bands that have got record coming out that have been consistently underrated over the years um, is a band called Madame Autumn, who are um, a Norwegian band, uh, progressive, incredible front woman with this incredible voice and the one of those bands that sound like no one else really mm. I mean it's progressive but and it's and it's heavy but the way it progresses is just only if you had those particular brainwaves you could do and so they're one of those bands that kind of fall in between the stools but anyone who sees them live um, it clicks and once it clicks it's just like oh my god it's amazing it's the same with Voivod um, I actually think Voivods are still, after all these years, one of the most underrated bands because people, you either, one of those bands either you get or you don't get. Mm-hmm. And, um, and once you do it, it's like doing a stereogram. It's like you cross your eyes slightly, don't look at it in any normal, rational way. And suddenly this whole 3D world comes out into comes out. Oh, to so you. it's like a magic eye picture. It's just like a magic eye like, picture. How yeah. do we get Madame Watson? So we yeah. have to cross our eyes. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, men- mentally speaking, and um, and then it just it just makes sense. And there's this one sort of like a center point that's kind of off center, mm. and um, and you're just roaming around this this whole world in the same way that Voivod had this whole kind of world around them as well too. So um, yeah, we're going to be premiering some stuff of them online pretty soon next week I think keep your eyes open yeah and and one of the best vocalists in what could more be broadly said the metal scene like such like powerful but emotional and rich just an incredible voice and um, I'm hoping now that you know people are much more interested in studying more progressive forms of metal that finally their time will come how long have they been around for? oh probably for about uh, somewhere in the region of two decades, maybe. Oh wow! But they've just not they've, really found um, their place. They, they, they've, they've, they've got a cult following, and, yeah. and again, it's one of those ones. Like any band that creates their own world, once you cross over to the world, you become really obsessed with that band. So they have yeah. a really passionate following. It's just, it just doesn't seem to. They're, they're kind of like a critics band, I think. And um, fair. But um, but yeah, the new album is incredible, and um, I think I hope finally that. Um, their genius gets wider recognition. Good times. We have another question from Gary Byron. He asks, Megadeth and Anthrax's new albums are on the way next year. Will we all have to wait another five years for Lars to deliver? I don't know if it'll be five. 
It's a weird one with Tiger because you do look at the career, but that's the career paths. But yeah, Anthrax and Megadeth do put out records way more often yeah. than, than Metallica do. And you but know they're coming as well. You'll be like, oh yeah, it's been a few years, there'll be another one. Yeah, There's exactly. not like doubt that there won't be another one. But I guess Metallica tour more, or, or at least further and longer than the other bands, I suppose. I don't, I don't really know why Metallica takes so long. Well, last time it's because they've been doing all those other ventures, isn't it? They did yeah, it's a good point. Film and they did the festival. Yeah. And what else did they do? A ton of stuff. Every festival. in China. I remember that. Um, I just remember they had a lot of ventures, and they kept doing that rather than kind of getting danced in the album. Because mm. I remember, you know, I interviewed them probably around around the time when the movie came out and all the questions were kind of, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing a record? And they said they wanted to kind of explore different things and opportunities were coming up. And I don't know where they're at now. Like you said, they're touring a lot. I don't know whether there's any ventures in the pipeline or whether they'll go back to the studio and crank out another one. Well, I I think they, I don't think we'll have to wait as long, to be fair, as we did for uh, Hardwired Self-Destruct. Because that was what, like eight years or something between Death Magnetic and Hardwired. It just always feels though, like with with make, with um, Metallica more than most other bands, that it seems to be a this weight of expectation, and also probably like a self consciousness on their part. Like every time they sit down to make a Metallica album, they have to think, what is a Metallica album? Mm. In a yeah. way that I don't think that like Anthrax or even Megadeth really have to do. No, that's a good point. Um, so there's still this thing that like Metallica are, like these either standard bearers or the kind of journal of record for heavy metal. And so, especially with all the you know stuff in the past about the movie and um, you know some kind of monster that they probably have to yeah the self consciousness of what is, what are we what is Metallica probably weighs heavy on them than it would do for any other band. Yeah, they all seem to be very um, self analytical as well, especially with James having been through rehab and like you said with some kind of monster where they had all the coaching. Whenever you talk to them, they're very kind of self aware self-analytical about where they are in their lives mm. and what the band is doing and what their priorities are which you don't seem to get with some other bands who just seem to kind of crank stuff out and move on yeah i mean anthrax don't get um every record compared to the first two or three records no um they don't, they don't not, talk about going to therapy or their private lives or anything no like that. but even um megadeth don't do it to anything like don't get that to anything like that extent. No, um, not at all. It's just because they're so big, though, isn't it? Like cult- yeah. culturally, so big. Yeah, just this other laws of physics seem to revolve around them. But it not only is it, but it's that it maybe being that culturally big, but also having like such a, you know, a kind of very sort of primal sound at the beginning as well too, mm. and trying to match those two things up. I think it was interesting what you're saying about. How other you know, Anthrax don't have the same pressure on them, but it's weird that not only does everyone hold the first four Metallica albums in such high regard, but Saint Anger still gets brought up for being an absolute shit show, despite it being what fucking fifteen years old or something now. Yeah, but they still, I think they still try to live that down to an extent. It's like we, can't, you know, they still get brought up saying, "Remember when you did that time you did a bad album?" Yeah, but and that was three records ago, and it's just like if Megadeth released a bad album. I think the fans would go, oh, that's not very good. Never mind. I'll well, get maybe on that's a life. frequency problem you know. as well, because we've only had a couple of records since then. Yeah, yeah, but these things don't happen in isolation. I mean, it was, um, I mean, I think people felt like it was a bit of a betrayal, you know, no guitar leads. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, also, but also, you know, coming around, uh, you know, not that far from the whole issue with Spotify, with um, 
Napster. And um, so it wasn't just the fact that it was bad. It just, for me, it's, it's more that it wasn't a Metallica album. It didn't sound like a Metallica no. album um, on lots of different levels, not just musical. Um, and so I think people felt like it was a betrayal. And that's the nature of a band that means that much to that people. That Completely, which is why they're probably yeah. apprehensive to keep churning albums out because they don't want to, well, don't want it to happen again, I suppose. Yeah, but it, it, it seems like a lot of times they try to, you know, what happens is you try to overcompensate for the last record. So, you know, Death Magnetic, they just overcomplicated it too much with too many guitar leads and or too many sort of progressive bits that, you know, a lot of the songs could have been edited down to a much more, um, much more sort of, to the essence a lot more, I think. Mm. And so, you know, there's a danger that, you know, you're always trying to oversteer to correct course. Mm. And um, so, so yeah, so there's a lot of riding on where the next, on where each next album goes, I think. Yeah, yeah, and there was the whole thing about putting out a double album last time as well. And there was a lot of comments about, you know, whether that should have been edited down. Yeah, it's too long, mm. personally. Interesting decision as well to just put out a double album. You still can't really get to the bottom of why that was. They just kind of said they had so many songs, but still not a reason to do <laughs> yeah, it. Really. Basically, they should renounce all their riches, go live in a garage somewhere for five years, and we'll get the Metallica album. Is that just start five again? Five years. Yeah. A garage for five years. Yeah. Sounds like great fun. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some more questions, Luke. Go on. We have, uh, I believe this is pronounced Henley's Ghost. Uh, on Twitter, but they've replaced the O with an X. Uh, they ask, most underwhelming band you've seen live? Eleanor Goodman. Well, mine is My Chemical Romance. Ooh. And I was never a fan of them, but I was inter- I was reviewing and interviewing bands up in Manchester years ago, and the magazine I was writing for had some free tickets to My Chemical Romance, and I used to write about metal for them, so they were like, you like this kind of band, here's some tickets, like go along, see what you think. And I went along and it was the only show that I've actually walked out of because it was bad. And I have, I mean, I didn't really like warm to them after that particularly because I felt like they were slightly too young for me, I think at the time, but he did, Gerard Way did admit on that touring cycle, he was really messed up. He was mm. like addicted to whatever. I think he was just drinking loads and loads and he kind of admitted it was bad, but I just thought for this hype to have been around it and to go to this show and it just was a really, really bad show. They're just all over the place. The songs sounded terrible. Um, nowhere near like the slick production values that you associate them with now, um, which again, I'm not a massive fan of anyway, but I just really was not blown away by it at all. Yeah. It's just a really terrible show and it just sticks out in my mind as being one of these shows that there was no redeeming feature about it it was just all terrible yeah I've only seen my chem once I think and that was when they played the main stage at Leeds Festival in 2007 and I was more interested in my fish and chips than what, <laughs> than what was happening on stage but at the same time I, I wouldn't say that that was my own most underwhelming one because I wasn't Expecting to be whelmed, that they were—they were not my—they were not. My I mean, yeah, I guess I wasn't expecting to be whelmed in the sense I just got these tickets. They went, here's a new band, go and watch them. But yeah. it was just, even though I wasn't expecting it to be whelmed, it was. <laughs> I like super, that we keep saying whelmed. Super underwhelming. I think it must have been about two thousand and three. So. Yeah, to my best, in terms of underwhelming things, I thought were going to be great and weren't. Um, there's two that's instantly sprung to mind. One, the same festival actually, at least two thousand and seven. 
uh, was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm not a massive fan. Well, no, that's, that's a lie. I like them up to and including, by the way. But this is on the stage in Arcadian tour, and it was an absolute shocker. They they looked like they didn't want to be there. You couldn't hear them. The set list was awful. And they came on just after Arcade Fire, I think, who were amazing. And yeah, it was just, I, I left halfway through. I was like, no, I'm just going to leave the festival. I don't care. It was so bad. And yeah, just did not enjoy it one bit. And then, This conversation's making me really sad. Yeah. I wish somebody music's not all great, guys. I wish someone left about the best gigs. Now I'm like, oh, music's great. But well, like now we feel sad about this. We can get excited about music now. Because my other one was Marilyn Manson. I love him. Uh, in the same year, uh, that, <laughs> that, that, uh, download in 2007. It was the first time I'd ever seen Marilyn Manson. And I grew up, you know, reading all the stories and seeing all the pictures of like, oh my God, you know, the, the God of fuck, then this shock metal man is going to be amazing at, on the main stage of Download Festival before Linkin Park come on. And yeah, it was a mess. An absolute mess. Like, well, that gig's kind of gone down in history a bit like that because everybody just came away from that and thought it was really flat and was talking about how they didn't like it. But I did like it because at least I heard some songs that I liked. No, no, I think it didn't help that he was on. He was touring a bad album, I think, at the time. Was it that Eat Me, Drink Me yeah. one? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that too. So. Of course you do. But um, yeah, I think I, think I was just excited to see him play songs, even if it wasn't that great. I've seen him be okay since then. I've seen him be good since then, but I've still never seen. The Marilyn Manson show, I grew up wanting to well, see. Well, you can't go back to the 90s. No, you can't. It's never going to happen. Unfortunately. Just have to watch it on YouTube and <laughs> pretend <laughs> that's you're the there. Same. That's the same. It's definitely the same. How about you, Jonathan? I'm going to kick a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what's your answer? Puppy. <laughs> puppy is the most underwhelming band I've seen in recent years. You know, compared to all the hype they've got. Um, and particularly when I saw them supporting like horror at the Electric, at the electric Ballroom. And I don't, I don't get it. It's just, there's something really sort of polite about them. Um, and it's just, you know, the, the clean vocals just don't seem to have any kind of grit. So when they do do a, um, a slightly heavy riff, it just seems like really unconvincing. And the, and the riffs aren't heavy enough either. And the, gu- mm. and, and the guitars, there's not enough distortion in the guitars to make the, um, you know, to make the riffs catch. The songs are just a bit meandering and, um, you, you know, they sound like sort of like bad ghost songs or all this like they've got this like fourth generation bit of DNA from like Husker Du mm-hmm. who are like you know who were kind of proper songwriters and like indie bands from like the 90s yeah and but but yeah but you know the good ones um, which there were a few um, but you know it's bands like Husker Du but you know the bands that took over Husker Du the ability to write a melody a proper memorable melody sort of dropped very quickly the further you, you got away from Husker Du um but anyway, yeah. So and they just had, you know, the, the, you know, so three piece. The two people had no sort of, um, the two guys didn't have any real sort of communication on stage, and they, you know, they were playing the electric ballroom, and they couldn't, they just, they just prove they couldn't really fill a medium sized venue. Yeah. And the only thing in the head in their favour was this band called Kate Moss came afterwards, who was probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, they, they got booed off. Oh uh, God. It was just, it was just this. It's just, it was just this kind of edge, wannabe, edgy, white rap thing that um, uh, probably makes sense within in two blocks in Brooklyn. It was kind of total hipster, wannabe on edge kind of band. And it was just a complete shambles and they got booed. I've never seen a band get booed off stage. Yeah. Yeah, they had, they had, a, they had a dancer on who kind of 
just stripped down to a bikini bottom <laughs> and um, we were down to a knickers, yeah. and um, <laughs> a little reverie <laughs> came across my face. Oh, yes, I remember that. But um, yeah, and it was just like, what are you trying to do? So, um, yeah, the only thing Puppy had in their favour was that the band came out and it was even worse. And, and then horror blew them all off the stage and showed yeah, you what proper punk rock spirit is. But I agree with you on Puppy. Like, this is not Metal Hammer's opinion at all because I know Luke's I, I, really I, I, in I, on I, them. I know like, I'm in Like, Merlin's really in on them. And I felt, again, I felt like a, a bit of a freak for saying that I don't really get it. To me, the songs feel quite thin and don't connect to them. And it doesn't do anything for me. But, you know, to you guys, you're all in on it. So it'll be interesting to see what the record's like when it comes. Yeah, it must be soon. This is not a proper album, have they? No. No. So I'm hoping it does live up to the hype. But. Who knows? We'll have to see. Right then, more positive question to end on. Uh, Dean Rigby asks, as metalheads, what's your favourite dance song? I have loads. I've got I've got five written down. I got loads. I mean, I was really really heavily into techno back in back in the day. Oh, I'd love to see you at a rave, Jonathan. I would as well. You know, Jonathan's a really good dancer. So. Yeah, too fair. Jonathan could throw down. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I used, I used to like lots of different kinds of like specific, but lots of different kinds of like dance music. So I was really into like kind of really minimal techno. Uh, so there was a couple of things that was either on like Nova Mute, which is like Mute Records dance label, or Treasel, which is a Berlin label. Yeah. And they had particularly they had this guy called Jeff Mills, who's still some of the heaviest stuff you've ever heard in your entire life. Um, but I loved stuff like Oteca um, and Plastic Man and so and Aphex Twin you know everything yeah, like, lots of yeah, stuff yeah. that was on, on, on Warp Records that kind of really clean sounding or so if I had to choose one it would probably be Didgeridoo by Aphex Twin brilliant and um, but there, were, there were loads of there were probably like loads of um, Oteca songs that every time I hear them I just get this kind of <gasps> like this kind of sense of awe that whenever I hear that, that something so clean and so perfect. Um, so yeah, but I always used to think, wouldn't Didgeridoo be really good if it got played on guitars? And Gojira pretty much did it. Um, <laughs> I think it's called, uh, what's, it, what's the song called? It's um, something about death. I will come back to you on that one, but there's one Gojira song uh, in the album for last, halfway through, um, where it basically starts off as Didgeridoo played on guitars. Mm, worlds colliding. My yeah. uh, dance taste is probably not as. I like Epic Stream, but it's not as cool as yours, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm very much into the uh, turn of the century trance, like Ibiza nonsense that yeah. happened. There's a Ministry of Sound compilation, I think, called Classic Trance Nation, that is basically three discs of brilliance, in my opinion. Uh, but the. Oh, what have I got written down here? Insomnia by Faithless. Absolutely. Oh, that's a great song. Amazing track. Uh, I've got Darude, Sandstorm. <laughs> you can't deny that. That's such like a teenage song, though. I, I, like... I love it so much. Uh, Better Off Alone by Alice DJ. You must have... These are all classics. Yeah, like... Correct. 9pm Till I Come by ATB, which is amazing. These are all around the same era as well. Yeah, pretty much. I love all of this. Yeah. Um, I haven't got this one written down, but um, what's it called? Drinking in LA by uh, mm. Brown Mouth, 5000 or something. And uh, Zombie Nation as well which is amazing yeah all of these songs if I go to I want to go to a club night that exclusively only plays this I loved all those songs I'll get bollocks 
I remember getting into the mall and then like I remember getting into the chill out versions. I remember oh, having euphoria. like Euphoria. Yeah, Euphoria. I remember that one with the grey sleeve. That was great. Like, yeah. I used to put it on when I went to sleep, like and listen to them all. This is all I'm gonna listen to for the rest of the day. So Bring good, it on. good good look about Hammer Office. I'm a bit basic, so I'm just gonna go for the prodigy. And nice. probably Omen, because if that comes on when I'm out, I'm just like, ah, this is great. Yeah, you can't argue with the prodigy, can you really? No. Yeah. Also, listen to um, Did You Do, and then listen to The Art of Dying by Gojira. Okay, The yeah. Art of Dying. That's yeah. the track to listen to. Yeah, it's on the Werewolf Flesh. Okay. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's one of my favourite Gojira tracks, but also like, in large parts, it really reminds me of Did You Do by um, Apex Twin. Awesome. Nice. Right then, guys, what's coming up this week? I'm going on holiday, so I'm leaving you, you all. You're going to Japan I am in two weeks. Leaving you all behind. How will you manage without me? Well, I'm going to cope by going to the Fever 333 this <laughs> evening, uh, Islington Academy. Uh, and I'm going to have a lovely, lovely time. Apparently, they're on at half eight and they're the only band on, so that is good for me. It'll be an early finish. But now I'm looking forward to seeing Jason just break everything because oh, it's brilliant. Please take photos and send them to me. I want to see. I'm not going to get my phone out. I'll get broken within an instant, I imagine. <laughs> Need one of those head cams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A GoPro. What are you doing, Jonathan? Uh, I might go and see Louise Lamont. I'm, I'm not as big on her as you, and I'm not as big on her as I am big on like, people like Anna von Housewolf and um, Emma Ruth Randall. Um, but um, she's playing on Sunday at the Black Heart. And um, so it's, it's a really good pl- place to... Um, find out uh, has she actually got that kind of magic mm. um, that um, I think you know a lot of the peers have got um, and the only other bad thing coming up this week is tomorrow is on Friday actually where Leng Che are playing the underworld um, and a killer sort of grindy noisy band yeah that'll be a horrific night out I imagine yeah <laughs> just my favourite and um, and also on Monday one of my favourite completely far away from um Anything we ever ever covered Milk Hammer, but one of my favourite all time indie bands, Blonde Redhead, are playing Monday. Um, I've never heard of them. They're a New York band, just uh, kind of very delicate but just powerful. Uh, first time I saw them was I was at a festival coming for uh, an old magazine I used to write for uh, in Canada, and it was a kind of a soft pop festival mainly. And this band comes on and just in the space of half an hour, the whole world just like turns it inside out. And it's one of the most incredible, just like band come on, never heard them before, life-changing experiences, and they're playing to the Academy. And um, I absolutely love that band, and they're still great. Oh, Amazing. You're gonna have the best time. Yeah. All right then, these guys will see you next week. Maybe me, maybe Yeah, say, hey, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm basically your super sub. Exactly. Jonathan will be you, Merlin will pop. teacher. Merlin will be back, I imagine. He's, he was travelling today on a top secret mission. Yeah, more about that in later podcasts. Yeah. All right, cheers, guys. See you yeah. next week. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe and rate us, please, so we can move up algorithms and charts and everything else. And send us questions to the Metal Hammer Readers Group. And anything else. Buy the magazine. Go on, treat yourself. <laughs> Do what Luke says. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.